0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to Transaction Trending, the official podcast of ETA. I'm Jason Oxman. Thanks for tuning in. At this year's Transact, I caught up with Rich Aberman. Rich is the co founder of WePay, a Silicon Valley startup turned payments technology success story. Rich founded WePay in 2008, just one year out of college. Now in its 10th year, WePay has left a notable mark on the fintech world. Funded and supported through its early years by major players like Max Levchin, Steve Chen, Y Combinator, and Highland Capital Partners, Rich and his team at WePay have built an impressive online integrated payments platform. In August of 2017, JPMorgan Chase announced that it would acquire WePay at a reported valuation of over $220 million. Rich and I took a few minutes during the opening reception on the Transact show floor to talk about WePay's journey from early funding to acquisition, as well as his observations on payments technology and financial services. Let's take a listen. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm here in the Bay Bank Media Broadcast Center on the Transact show floor. And I'm joined by Rich Aberman, founder of WePay, now a member of the JPMorgan Chase family. Welcome to Transact.
1: Glad to be
0: here. We're glad to have you here. Uh, A lot of people here uh, excited about payments, uh, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to you you about uh, where the payments technology industry is headed. So uh, let's start with the story, because I love it, the story of how you came up with the idea for WePay. Uh, It all goes back to, uh, if I recall, trying to figure out a way to collect money from multiple people uh, to reimburse for a bachelor party. Is that the story of how WePay came to be? I've
1: been trying to kill that story for about 10 years, so you gotta forgive me if I'm a little bit coy. Uh, yeah, I, that, that, was, that was the itch that we were literally scratching at the time. I think if I were to rewrite history with 2020 hindsight and frame it in a way uh, that I think is fair and accurate, but maybe not the way I would have articulated it as, you know, a young person one year out of college, I think I would say smartphones at that point had kind of crossed the chasm and become ubiquitous. Facebook had opened up its platform to third-party app developers. And we, as kind of young social people, needed a more mobile, social way to send and receive money from friends. Um, I think now there's a lot of services that that do that very well. You know, we started around the same time as Venmo. They offered the service for free, we didn't. They were right, we were wrong. Um, and I think they reached a certain level of ubiquity because of that. Zelle now, which is kind of solving a very similar problem. So I think there was, there was definitely a need for social mobile, Uh, and that need has been answered, but we evolved our strategy pretty dramatically over the subsequent 10 years to to do what we do today. And was part of the reason for the evolution
0: of that strategy your desire to take the company to the next level, because obviously what you did from there, from those early foundational days, is you went out and told your story to potential investors, Uh, again at the same time uh, Venmo was doing that storytelling, Uh, but you needed to kind of, I guess, really position WePay and what you saw as the future of the company uh, in order to attract some early funding. We talk a lot about startups here at Transact. There are a lot of startups here on the show floor that are hoping to be the next WePay. So take us back to those early days. You founded the company, you got the product, you've done the refinement. How did you go out and tell that story out in Silicon Valley to attract the funding that you needed for the company? Yeah,
1: that's a great question and I could answer it in a few different ways. Uh, I will say, there are founders that I know and respect, and you could probably count them on one hand, and we all know the names, who see the world the way they want it to be or the way that it's gonna be, and then they manifest that vision onto onto the universe. Steve Jobs was probably one of those guys. We were not those type of founders. You know, We had a natural starting point to scratch our own itch. It was a very sophomoric use case, but that just gave us a place to start. And We just kept building product, listening to our customers, and like a heat-seeking missile, tried to find the opportunity in the space. I think it took us about six or seven years uh, to really see the light and understand how the world was changing and and the role that we were gonna play in that. Um, and And then we bet big on it. And that's the business that we're in now. The thing that we did right is we never took two steps backwards or did a hard pivot or threw away everything and started from scratch we were always able to parlay the momentum and the learnings and the customer base and the traction whether it was in the press or raising money in order to keep pushing the ball forward and so you know we didn't we didn't raise money out of the gates you know we were we founded the company in 2007 and it took over a year before we raised our first round of capital and that was Y Combinator which was a $20,000 check in a good five months after that to to, to raise the subsequent round. So we were never the company that caught lightning in a bottle, had the right answer at the exact right time and raised an enormous amount of capital. Every fundraising round was a slog. Uh, We always had to tell how our story had evolved from the last fundraising round, show how we had learned, um, and and the progress that we were able to make from, from, from round to round. And then the next phase of course was
0: the acquisition by JP Morgan Chase. So take us through the building of the business from those early funding days to the point where you and your fellow co-founders decided, you know what, it's time to start thinking about the next chapter and
1: then JP Morgan Chase comes knocking. Sure. So the first major point of inflection which was before the acquisition was when we decided to retire our direct business, where we were selling basically merchant accounts to small, micro, non-traditional merchants with our own tools and capabilities built on top of that. Event management, invoicing, shopping cart functionality, virtual terminal. When we decided to deprecate that, which at that point we had raised $30 million to build it's what our brand name was about, our organizational structure was around, our org structure was optimized to serve, but really was a business that was not highly leveraged uh, and wasn't disruptive and was no path to kind of doing something exciting and transformative t- for the industry, but it was over 60% of our revenue at the time. When we deprecated that, it went all in on our API kind of integrated channel strategy where we said, look, what's happening is more and more small businesses are using SaaS or cloud software to grow and manage their operations more effectively. There's an explosion of third-party solutions out there for a variety of different merchant verticals. Why don't we let them do what they do best, let them build the experience, let them build the functionality for specific types of, of merchants, and we'll just make the payment experience really, really elegantly integrated into, into those value-add solutions. It was that decision in mid-2014, you know, some six years after we founded the business, that really led to the growth that eventually JP Morgan Chase saw and, and they decided to acquire.
0: And now, today, as part of the JPMorgan Chase family, what does WePay look like? What does the product focus look like? Um, how is the company different, being part of you know, one of the world's largest financial institutions?
1: Yeah, so I, let me answer in terms of strategy first, then I'll talk a little bit about some of the challenges and opportunities associated with, you know, being a fintech acquired by a major financial institution. Before the acquisition, and now, two core theses drove our business. The first was more and more SMBs are using software platforms, we might call them ISVs, you might call them SaaS companies, uh, to grow faster and run better. I think that's indisputable at this point. Small businesses are using POS, they're using cloud accounting, they're using shopping cart solutions. The second thesis is probably a little bit more contrarian. We believe that those ISVs are in a better position to sell and service not just payment services but probably all financial services than traditional siloed financial institutions only servicing those customers through brick and mortar branch channels. Right, And so what Chase has said is we have this great branch network, we still have great touch points with SMBs. That's not going anywhere anytime soon, but we recognize that third-party software applications are playing a more and more important role in the lives of these small businesses. And WePay provides us with a mechanism to, really, the connective tissue between those third-party software applications and and, and the bank. I think what the bank realized when they acquired us was, in that new world, the best product and the best technology is is gonna win out. The best product and the best technology is going to be built by the best team, which means that our ability to hire and retain world-class, really engineers, product managers, is going to decide whether this acquisition is successful or not. And our ability to do that, at least in the short term, requires some degree of autonomy to build you know, a technology-forward Silicon Valley R&D culture. And post-acquisition, we've really maintained a significant degree of autonomy in our ability to hire and our ability to build processes uh, in order to hire and retain top top talent.
0: It's interesting, that pathway that you described, the the kind of the, the maturation of the business plan, makes me think that you'd probably have some pretty good advice for the upstart ISVs that are where you were back in 2007 when you were thinking about how to build the business. So if an ISV here on the transact show floor came up to you and said, hey Rich, you're my hero, you're living the dream you built the business it took you 10 years Um, you're now part of the jp morgan chase family Uh, me as a as an isv entering the market today what's the what's the one piece of advice that you would say do this or don't do this based on the things you now have the benefit of a decade of experience looking back on
1: yeah and i'm not sure that this is answering the question directly but i will say i think what makes isv successful and differentiate it as two things. One is their ability to build the most elegant, seamless, simple user experience as they possibly can. The easier it is for an unsophisticated, non-technical, resource constrained SMB to use your software, the more successful you're going to be. Right? I think the second is, the more that you can hyper focus on a particular merchant vertical and build the exact right solution for a food truck versus a plumber versus a independent dental office, uh, the more successful you're going to be. It's, it's not, I think, I think it's no longer appropriate to try to build a horizontal solution that serves all different types of merchant protocols. Really focus on who your customer is, build the right features and functionality, build the right workflows, and make it really, really easy for that SMB to use.
0: So as you look across the Transact Show floor, as you look across the industry uh, and look ahead to the rest of 2018, What's the payments technology, the industry development that you're most excited about? What's the one thing that everybody should really be paying attention to? The trend or the product or the technology or the the change in our industry, if you will, that everyone
1: should really be paying attention to that you're most excited about this year? You ready for this? I'm going to give you the most boring answer you've ever heard. And actually, this answer was informed by uh, the last ETA event I was at with you. The panel right after you and I had a chat on stage. I don't know if you remember which one it was, but it was three small businesses, um, and two things really hit me. One of the questions was, "What do you guys think about AI?" and "Are you looking at Bitcoin?" And the answer was, "We don't need new. Shit. We need the we already have to work better together. We want our POS to talk to our accounting solution, right? Like that's what's causing pain for these small businesses. Like there's a lot of awesome new technology that they can use. There's customer loyalty s- software. There's CRM software. There's great POS, there's new payment methods. Like, that's, There's a lot of stuff that can now empower these SMBs. But what they really want is just to work seamlessly and to talk to each other in a way that's elegant. And so I think what you're going to see over the next couple of years is much better interoperability between different software platforms that these small businesses are using to run their operations. Your accounting software is going to talk to your POS. Your POS is going to talk to third-party apps that make it easy to do scheduling for your hourly employees or customer engagement for your best customers. Those systems will talk to each other in in, in much better ways.
0: Rich Haberman is the founder of WePay and a industry success story, now part of the JPMorgan Chase family. Rich, congratulations on all you've accomplished and thanks for all your contributions to ETA and to our industry.
1: Really happy to be a part of this community.
0: Thanks. Well, I'll let you enjoy the Transact Show 4. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Rich. Thanks again to Rich for being on the podcast, and thank you for listening to this episode of Transaction Trending. Don't miss a single episode of Transaction Trending. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and other podcasting services. You can also find more information on our podcast by visiting TransactionTrends.com. We'll be continuing the conversation on payment software and the reinvention of the acquirer at Transact Tech Atlanta a one-day fintech event at Georgia Tech in Atlanta on June 12th. Learn more at Electran.org. I'm Jason Oxman. Thanks for listening.
1: This has been Transaction Trending, a podcast powered by the Electronic Transactions Association. ETA is the leading trade association for the payments industry, representing over 500 payments technology companies worldwide. This episode was produced by Laura Hubbard and Patrick Nolan. It was recorded, edited, and mixed by Patrick Nolan. For more information on the Electronic Transactions Association, visit Electran.org.